0: you ready. Welcome to Positive Adoption, where you can find adoption, foster care, and trauma-informed parenting all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker. But more than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos from hard places. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Positive Adoption, a Coffee Break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. We are continuing our series with Sandra Flack. Say hi. Hi. And we are talking about five things your adopted or foster children would like to tell you from the five things, a tiny handbook for adoptive and foster families and churches who serve them. And Sandra is going to introduce the topic today.
1: All right, I'd love to. So our question is, if you feel what I feel all the time, we will become codependent and I will rule your emotions like an out of control terrorist. So it's not really a question, but that's our topic.
0: Yeah, but the question is, is that happening in your home? Because I've had that happen in my home before, and I'm going to read the definition of codependent just so that you have a fact base to start on. Codependent of or relating to a relationship in which one person is physically or psychologically addicted as to alcohol or gambling, and other person is psychologically dependent on the first in an unhealthy way. And that's a very simple definition from dictionary.com because there's more of a definition. It doesn't just have to be gambling or alcohol, it can be trauma related. It can be all kinds of obsessive, compulsive behaviors. It can even be if your child has a capital letter syndrome, you can become codependent. And I was telling Sandra before we started, I. You know, my dad was an alcoholic. He's fine with me sharing that, share that in my memoir. So when I was growing up, I lived in a very codependent home. And it was if dad's happy, then everyone's happy. If he's not, then we're all walking on eggshells. I transferred that into my parenting without realizing it. And it seemed to work okay with my biological children because they were connected to me and they had a desire to please me. So when they were upset or um, something happened that they were disappointed in and I was able to connect with them on that and they were able to move forward. But what happened is after we adopted and I employed those same codependent... Now, codependency is never good. I'm not saying that... It was good that I was that way with my biological children. I'm saying that I survived it okay. But once we adopted and my kids were were so traumatized and these behaviors were coming out and I they couldn't regulate themselves and I wasn't regulating myself. I was only responding to the way that they felt. So Sandra, you were talking about before we started how you were learning how to regulate yourself
1: yeah because our kids come come with some out of control behaviors because of their trauma because of their capital letter syndrome and i noticed early on if you know if i was responding to one of my kids stress or their behavior and i got stressed out it, it just could escalate and they would get more stressed out and out of control and vice versa and it would just become this crazy dance you know, right. I, learn, I regulate myself then and not play off of, because our, our our kids, especially I think our trauma kids, they're really good button pushers. They somehow manage to figure out what is that thing that's going to get us to react. Right. And if we just react, that's when things escalate out of control. But if I can regulate myself, like, and I, I give the example of, um, and, and my son still sometimes It'll come out when we're driving in the car, like in, in a previous, our last episode, I talked about our, our trip to Target, um, especially when he was younger and he first came, he felt very out of control when we would go someplace in the car. He spent the first five years of his life in an orphanage. He'd never ridden around in cars and here hmm. in the United States, he didn't know where we were going half the time. He didn't know. Uh, he, he didn't know. and He felt very out of control. So to try to gain some kind of control in the car, he kind of became this little Ukrainian backseat driver, (laughs) and then he early on somehow figured out to, to to connect the speed limit sign with my speed my 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 speedometer in the car. So he would say, Oh, you're not you're, oh, you're, you know, like, like 45 mom, <laughs> you're going 55 mom. And I, you know, so, but if I, and if I, we were running late, which, you know, when you have eight kids, you tend to run late to things a lot. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, if I acted like oh, this red light or, oh, this slow car in front of me, or, you know, oh, come on, hurry up. It, he would, that would cause him to escalate in the car because that made him feel, even less in control and even more fearful about what was going on. So then my stress from being late made him feel more stressed out. And then his behavior would make me feel stressed out because now I'm like dealing with his behavior while we're running late to get to a doctor's appointment. And it would just escalate. But I learned, well, if I start leaving a little bit earlier, because I know that will help him to feel more regulated and, and, and feel safer. And if even if we are late or running late, if I don't act like it in the car and I just act right. like everything's wonderful, then he doesn't pick up on and respond to my stress of being late. Exactly. And it, is that, it is that dance, you know? So I've learned I have to self-regulate even if I'm feeling stressed out or having a bad day or the whole house is a mess and that's making me cranky. If I'm cranky, then he becomes cranky and it plays, you play off of one another. So parent, you know, we have to self-regulate, figure out what pushes our buttons and why and learn that, you know, we, we need to regulate.
0: Exactly. And it's funny that you keep saying dance because in the book, I call it the jitterbug. It's like (laughs) the family jitterbug, like trying to keep everybody happy And we feel as if it's our responsibility. You know, as a child, you feel when you're an alcoholic home, you feel like it's your responsibility to try to keep that parent happy. But what we have to flip that to and switch to as an adult with a child who's experienced trauma is we have to regulate ourselves because we are their security. We are their baseline. And if we get our baseline in order, then they feel more secure, and it's funny that you were saying that about not saying anything about being late, because with one of my kids who would get really, you know, just out of sorts about everything, just everything, and I just adopted this policy of saying no matter what was going on, like, you know, it's going to be all right, that's okay, like somebody would drop something and break it, and I would be like, oh, you know, our policy is People are more important than things. It's okay. It's okay. And I didn't realize until that child was a teen how much that phrase had impacted him because then when the things were more important or the event was more important, he still, to this day, as an adult in his 20s, has this laissez-faire attitude. Well, as you know, what's all right. We're late. They'll live. It's okay. And then I look at him and think, man, I wish I could really be like that because I just was saying those things for his benefit. And just make like, it so you make it, right? <laughs> right, right. But he just has adopted that. You know, it's all right. It's okay. And But we need to be that for our kids. And I'm just... I'm going to speak to those who were raised in a family that was full of codependency and trauma and abuse and neglect and alcoholism. Neglect. I can talk. A lot of us come out of those lifestyles with so much empathy for kids from hard places that we end up fostering and adopting. But There's more to the story. I mistakenly thought that just because I had a traumatic background, that that equipped me to parent kids who had had the same. And it took me a long while to realize I was just stuck in the codependency. So if that's you and you're listening, you're like, wait, I thought I could do this because I had a horrible childhood and I wanted to help someone else. You can do it. The most important thing is, you know, listen to podcasts like this. Find books to read. Get the tools. Take the training. Because God has given you that child for a reason. And you can get the proper tools. It's, taking, it's like Ryan and Kayla told us in our training. You take all the old tools out of your toolbox. Mm-hmm. And you fill it with new new tools. So I just want to encourage you, if that's you... And I'll let you talk since I talked for a while.
1: Oh, I totally agree. I, I think it was um, Dr. Karen Purvis actually who had said um, we can't bring our kids to a level of healing that we ourselves have not right. been to. So we do have to look at our history, our family history, our how we relate to others in relationship, because that is going to spill over onto how we parent whether it be biological children, um, but it will especially affect children from hard places who come into our home. So we have to, you know, I know at one point, I, I mean, I felt like I always did really well with my my boys, um, but I have three, um, well, now they're all in their 20s and one is 30, but when raising girls, one biological, two adopted, um, I, you know, I came out of a home. It wasn't an alcohol, an, alcohol, an alcoholic home, but uh, my parents divorced when I was um, like in kindergarten and my father left the, uh, left the state and moved, moved on. He had married somebody else um, and I was terribly shy. So I came out of a divorced family, didn't really have a relationship with my father, um, just felt unloved and unwanted because of the way he abandoned the family. And that affected the choices that I made. Um, especially through the teen years. So when we had daughters and then as they approached the teen years, I just had this fear mm. that they were going to make the same bad choices that I had made. Yeah. And I parented out of fear for a very long time because I felt like, Oh no, you can't go here. You can't do this. You right. can't listen to that kind of music. You can't go to these kinds of events or whatever it was. And it was, you know, and, and I started to realize this isn't working because they don't feel, trusted or even loved or understood or valued um because I parented out of fear and we're not supposed to do anything right. out of fear. Yeah. And especially parenting, um, because it really strained the relationships I had with my daughters early and I've come a long way since then. I've gotten a lot of healing myself since then. I talk about a little bit bit of that in my in my book. Um, but it is, it definitely will, our histories will affect our parenting and we need to deal with all of those things in our history to make sure that we're not projecting that onto our kids. Right. Um, And because their trauma will cause those things in our past to flare up.
0: Right. And there's two points that I kind of gleaned from that, that I'm going to make just so you know. We are not perfect parents. We never will be. There's no such thing as perfect parents. So if you're listening and you're like, you know what? These people know what they're talking about. So what? We can talk about it, but that didn't make us perfect. We're still learning. We're still growing. We're still making mistakes. We're still correcting our mistakes. We're still repenting of things. And the other thing that I wanted to point out, and this is kind of a teaser, but, um, and I will link this article. I have an article, I did a series on journaling, and one of them is making sense of and peace with your past. Mm-hmm. And that's also a, um, a subject in my book, How to Have Peace When Your Kids Are in Chaos. I think that it's really important to go back to our past. I talk to so many parents who talk about how things that their kids are doing are triggering them, but they don't use that language because they don't know what that language means. They just say, you know, I had a... I won't share anyone's specific story. This is very general. I had a rough beginning, and for some reason I can't get along with my kid when he does this or that. So we have to make sense of and make peace with our past and that is not a 1 minute exercise right it is not a 1 week exercise or a 1 month i'm still doing it but i think it's really important and i will i will definitely link that article but my teaser was on when the new website trauma informed parenting is up i will have bundles on there, It's hard for me to explain, but there will be some of those articles linked in these bundles so that you can just access them right away instead of searching them on the website, because I think it's very important that we go through the phases of learning about trauma. There's a beginner bundle, there's an experience bundle, and then there is a bundle for anybody who works in the church.
1: So Kathleen the bundles are kind of like trauma toolkits.
0: Yes, they are. That's a very good way of saying it. They are. And they will be on on the home page. It will say start here. You click that and it will immediately go to the bundles and you click on the beginner bundle if you know nothing about trauma informed parenting, you start there. If you've had some experience, you click on the experienced one. If you are in church leadership, You teach Sunday school or you're a professional that works with kids in kids' church or whatever, then you click on that. So I'm trying to make it very accessible because I know with the whole house right now, if you want to find an article, you have to search it and you have to know exactly the right term. So anyway, I got off on a little tangent there. But um, I I think that will be... So much easier to navigate. But I will link that, and I just wanted to say um, one last point, even though we're really out of time, is I think it's so important, is maybe you've never thought about this, but you have to be a separate person from your children. It sounds so basic, so simple, but it's not. Any of you raising children from hard places know this. Any day can be like riding a tidal wave and surviving a hurricane and a tornado all in one. It might take you pulling your hair in front of a mirror and a a counselor telling you to take back your power, your ability to act independently. For you to begin to, like Sandra said, begin to regulate yourself, be a separate person, pull yourself, even if that means running in the bathroom and praying a prayer, texting a friend, saying, hey, I'm really struggling right now. Will you help me get in my executive function and think logically about this situation and be a separate person from that child? Any final thoughts on that?
1: I'm amen. I agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> I
0: love
1: the teaser for the new website. I can't wait till it's up.
0: I can't either. <laughs> I just gotta get you're eighty percent there. You know. Okay. And so I thank you for joining us today. And we will see you next week. And we will be talking again about the book, Five Things, a Tiny Handbook for adoptive and foster families and churches who serve them. Make sure you get your free downloadable. Go on the WholeHouse.org and contact me. And I will also link it in the show notes so you can directly get the download. So thanks for joining us today. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Positive Adoption. Make sure you subscribe on thewholehouse.org to receive your gift of five things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families, and receive a monthly newsletter plus updates when new books or courses are released. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Spotify, or YouTube and leave a review so others can find Positive Adoption and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send an email to me at positiveadoption at gmail.com and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Whole House and Twitter at Cath Guire. Thanks for listening to the show.